Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Yeah. Between the hedges, look at fly. fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fine. fine. Coach, put me in the game. Dang. UGA, yeah, the name. Dang. Yeah, the offense gon' turn up, but the defense gon' win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, welcome in. It is another edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. I'm your host, Corey Burton. Joining me, fresh off, I don't know what you're fresh off at this point, but uh, Israel (laughs) Troop, man, what's up? What's going on, man? Just got out of a diabolical game of uh, dodgeball with some kindergartners. Um, They... They're very competitive, and they're mean little gremlins too. So you got to watch them. Yeah, they'll get you, man. They're, those elementary school kids, man, they're they're ruthless, and uh, they find ways to gang up on you too, because because you're the teacher, and they want to knock the teacher out in dodgeball. So, um, yeah, I definitely don't blame you there. So, uh, but yeah, so I I, I left you the uh, the blank, the fresh off blank, and uh, you filled it in <laughs> quite nicely. And I got to say that I'm jealous because I want to play some dodgeball too. I just want some uh, human interaction at school. We're still still virtual, so um, that's that. So if you're, if you're looking for us, you can find us on Twitter at Believe in Dogs uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can find Israel at Troopstar28. You can also listen to his appearance on the J-Boy Show and uh, did, a, did a great job on that, Israel, so I got to applaud you on that. Uh, great breakdown of, of Mike Bobo and uh, the, the impact that he's going to have at Auburn is, is going to be a great one. And uh looks like in recruiting, it's going to have an even greater impact because it looks like Gunnar Stockton is uh, is com- is about to commit if he hasn't already. Man, that that's going to be huge for them. I'd actually give uh, Bo Nick some competition because, like I said on the show, um, and thank you, J-Boy, for having me on the show. Um, I, uh, it was a, it, it was a, a great deal, and, and thank you for having me on it. But, I mean, one thing about Auburn is that Bo Nix doesn't have any competition behind him. So, I mean, if he's struggling, you know, and he knows you can't take him out, then is he really develop him as a quarterback? So, uh, with Coach Bobo coming in, and as soon as that happened, you saw Gunnar Stockton uh, decommit from South Carolina. So, um, the writing's on the wall, um, unless something changes, and I'm pretty sure he'll end up at Auburn before it's all said and done. Yeah, we know where the relationship was there at South Carolina. And poor Shane Beamer on that. But um, you can uh, to, to finish up, we can you can find me uh, at Coach Burton thirty six on Twitter. Uh, you can find our show on Instagram as well and Facebook. So find us, uh, subscribe to our channel on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating, review us, let us know, give us some feedback. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say that our show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Israel. The Super Bowl's right around the corner. We're in the divisional round right now. If you're looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, Bet Online is the best place and only place to lock it in. Do the Browns have a chance this weekend? I think they do. Um, a, a slim chance. Um, if I think they're playing Kansas City, right? I thought I looked at that yeah. right. They're playing yeah, Kansas they're playing City. It. So if Kansas City comes out and plays the way that they played against the Falcons, then I think the Browns will win that football game. So I think the Browns have a little bit more firepower um, than obviously Atlanta does. But, you know, you got Patrick Mahomes and all those horses he's got with him. I mean, they're, they're very tough to beat. So um, the weather may play a factor over in Kansas City. 
Um, so it's going to be a really good game. There's been a lot of trash talking back and forth between both teams. Um, so it's going to be a real interesting game, and I can't wait to watch that one. Yeah, it's a revenge game for Kareem Hunt. That game is uh, Kansas City favored by 10. Uh, some of the other matchups, you have the uh, the old man old man football, uh, Tampa and New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans is three-point favorites at home. Uh, looking to create the uh, hat trick and, and the sweep of the Tampa Bay Bucks for uh, for the season. Uh, Buffalo two and a half point favorites over Baltimore. Pretty much a pick 'em there um, in Buffalo. That game's going to be very intriguing if if Buffalo can continue uh, their success. If they can kind of get off to a bit a bit faster of a start, uh, they'll have a great chance of advancing there. I'm rooting for Buffalo. Uh, the Rams are six point six and a half point dogs at Green Bay. Uh, the Rams don't know their quarterback situation, so that would be tough to pick them. Uh, I think Green Bay is going to uh, going to blow them out, unfortunately, because uh, Aaron Donald is questionable, and uh, they're not sure who's going to take snaps at, at quarterback. So too many question marks for the Rams. So I, I would take the Packers there. I would take the Bills. Uh, I would venture to take the Browns uh, to cover the 10 uh, if they don't outright win. And I'm going to take Tampa Bay uh, as well. Those are my, those are my uh, four NFL picks. What about you? I'm with the Excel. I'm going to take Baltimore over the Bills. Um, after watching that game last week, by the way, uh, Josh Allen is an athlete. Well, let me tell you, um, the way that he runs that offense and the way that he uses his legs um, for that team re- really put him in some good positions. Um, offensively, I think the Bills are good. Defensively is where they struggle. And um, if Lamar Jackson can get going, um, you know, they mix up, you know, the run with the pass, get their get – their, um, the tight ends involved uh, with Baltimore, I think that's going to be more Baltimore style because I think I like their defense a little bit more. Now, the Bills may show up uh, this weekend a little bit differently than they did against Indianapolis, but after watching them last week, man, they gave up way too many yards uh, to Phillip Rivers in that uh, Indianapolis offense. Yeah, I mean, I think the Bills have a more potent passing attack than the Titans do, and the Titans were able to hurt them through the air some uh, with A.J. Brown, but it, they didn't have much else to hurt them with, uh, whereas I think Buffalo – you, know, you can you can hurt him with Stephon Diggs, you know Devin Singletary in the passing game, Cole Beasley, uh, Dawson Knox. I, I think that uh, Josh Allen has done a tremendous job this year spreading the ball around uh, to his playmakers and, and really getting those guys involved. And then the things he does with his legs, and then the fact that they are playing at home, uh, Orchard Park, New York, in uh, early January is not an easy place to play. It's Probably going to be windy. Windy. There might be some. Might be some snow. Hopefully, some driving snow. It'll be fun to watch. But is it a night um, game or is it a, a day game? It's a night what game. What time's that game? It's oh, a, oh, it's yeah. a 7-15 kick. Ooh, wee. That's so, gonna be chilly. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, Saturday night football, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a cold one. So uh, those are those are some of our picks. Uh, take them or leave them, if you will. Uh, Israel probably has a little bit more success uh, than I do in the betting world, so you might want to listen to him. So, uh, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well. I make my money back in blackjack. So head to BetOnline.ag. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, Israel, let's get into the show. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to actually talk basketball today. Basketball team is, uh, let's just say they're struggling. Uh, they are struggling. We're also going to get into, uh, since we last left you, some more uh, some more Georgia players have, have determined that they are coming back. And so 
Uh, we're going to get into that. Zamir White, Jamari Sawyer, and I don't, I don't think we talked about Jordan Davis to see if he's coming back or not uh, on the last episode, but we'll definitely get into it uh, on this episode and the impact that he brings to that defense. And then we might talk some uh, some coaching movement, uh, some as it affects the uh, the SEC and and ultimately uh, the the Georgia Bulldogs, and then some a couple interesting storylines from the NFL. And uh, we'll wrap up the show. So Israel, uh, the basketball team, they. They got blown out by Auburn. I know Jay Boy was uh, was probably excited about that, uh, but how do you since the conference play opened up, Georgia's dropped three in a row. Uh, they have looked way different in conference play than than they have in uh, in uh, regular. Actually, they've dropped four in a row. I, I take that back. They were undefeated coming into conference play. They've lost all four conference games. Uh, that they have played. I forgot about the first one against Mississippi State. So what seems to be the issue? Is it lack of experience? Is it since these guys haven't been able to to play together? Is, is KD uh, finally uh, jumping in, uh, jumping on the ship uh, and, and getting acquainted? I mean, what, what seems to be the issue? From what I've seen, I mean, there's it, just no cohesiveness. You know, um, basketball is one of those sports to where everybody's kind of got to be on the same page. All the all the moving parts have to be, you know, cohesive. And right now they just don't seem to have it. You know, at the beginning of the season, um, before conference pray, you know, they, they look good. They look like they, they kind of have their feet underneath and they look like they're, they're moving well and things like that. But as of late, I mean, the just playing defense, I mean, you get beat by 30 by the Arkansas team. Now, don't get me wrong, Arkansas team is a really, is a really good basketball team, but 30 points, you only score 69. You go, you play Mississippi State, you get 73. You play a really good LSU team, and you score 92. You go to Auburn, and you score 77. But Arkansas holds you to 69, and they score 99. They almost put 100 on you. So it seems like defense and transition points, and, I mean, they're, they just kind of got to do some soul-searching right now because they're not only are they getting beat, but, you know, the LSU game is close, but they're – pretty much getting blown out in the rest of these. I consider 10 points a blowout to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you look at the numbers, right, um, from from this loss. They were they were decent at 41.8% from the field. They were 17 of 34 from the free throw line. You can't, That is completely unacceptable. you got to hit your 50% free throws. 50% from the free throw line is great. That's 34 free points right there. Yeah, exactly. And, and even, if you're, even if you're not 100%, that's probably 28 points. Mm-hmm. Easy. Uh, at at worst, and it, it's you know you get fourteen shots blocked uh, at the rim. Um, Auburn had fourteen blocked shots. That that is, um, and then you know you, you watch them play and they're very streaky, and it just seems like you know they get down uh, by like twenty three and they they make a run and then they get down again. So it, it, they they're playing like. Very inconsistent basketball, uh, taking ill-advised shots, getting to the free throw line and not hitting them. Um, you know, to get to the free throw line uh, and have 34 free throw attempts, you're getting to the rim and you're doing a good job of pushing the basketball to the rim. Now you just got to finish it at the line um, mm-hmm. so that they, you know, that opens so many things up. But if, if I'm a if I'm a team and, and and my opponent is 17 of 34 from the line and they're shooting with that kind of percentage, it, it's hack a shack all day long. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get your butt on the free throw line because I know you can't beat me there. 
um, and I'm going to keep you from getting easy shots. So I'm going to foul you, put you on the line, and make you beat me from the line. And and so Georgia's just got to figure some things out. I mean, this is back-to-back blowouts and you know back-to-back 30-point blowouts, uh, yeah. e- even worse. Like it'd be one thing if it was like a 10-point blowout, you know, where it's like you kind of lost it down the stretch and, you know, you played well for the most part, but Auburn was a better team. We knew Auburn was a better team. We, we knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to lose by 30 points in a conference game when it's just not acceptable. You can't do that. That's like that's like Georgia Tech losing losing by 60 to Clemson in, in football. You know, you can't, you can't do that. It's a conference game. You can't lose by 30 points. There, there, there's got to be some answers. There's got to be something that that this Georgia team can do. So what I mean, Man, what, what are some solutions? First, I don't know. In the first half of the Arkansas game, you know, it's a six point ball game at halftime. Um, you know, they score thirty seven. We we I mean we we score thirty seven. They score forty three. But I mean, the second half they just ran away with it. We only scored thirty two points to so their fifty six in the second half. So I mean, it's 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 a defensive deal to me. I don't know. I mean, of course, you know. Other teams, you know, they have really good players, too. They recruit as well. But, I mean, playing defense, you know, not turning the ball over, you know, getting those transition points on our side. And we're not stopping anybody in transition. You know, a lot of teams are getting fast breaks against us, and they're finishing and making their free throws. So, that's just little – from what it looks like, you know, we we just got to fix little things on our basketball team. We're not very far away. Um, You know, there's no reason to, to really hit the panic button, but there is a reason to hit the concern button. To uh, yeah. see see what's going on because I mean from going from seven and zero to once you hit conference play where it really matters, you know, and you're you're own four with three blowouts. Yeah, and two of them thirty point blowouts, and it's just not acceptable. But I will say this: there's help on the way. I mentioned uh, I referenced KD. I'm not talking about Kevin Durant. He did not re-enroll <laughs> in college. That is freshman KD Johnson. He scored twenty one points. He made his college debut against Auburn on Tuesday night, um, and uh, he scored 21 points. And uh, the reason, and in, in, in if you, if you don't follow Georgia basketball, which if you're a Georgia fan and you don't follow basketball, that's not much of a stretch. Um, he uh, the he came from Southwest to Cab. He was uh, he had some eligibility issues. Uh, he was uh, he was a credit short of being eligible uh, to play. So. Uh, he had to sit out until the second semester started to regain those credits. And so he finally regained the credits, and the Auburn game was his first game that he was uh, due to come back or due to due to make his debut, uh, the first game that, that of his eligibility. So he came out, uh, scored 21 points, and then, of course, also uh, Severe Wheeler. He scored 19, the sophomore. So a couple young guys getting it done. Um, but, you know, to me the solution is – Hit the free throw line, right? You got to take mm-hmm. advantage of those free points. If you're going to drive to the basket, you got to, or if you're going to feed it down, uh, down to the big men, you've got to be able to take advantage of when when they foul you and, and take advantage of those free points. You've got to be better from the field. Forty one percent is not great. It's not bad, but it's not great either. You got to be a little bit more consistent from the field. Take better shots. Create better shots, and then just be, you know, defensively. Don't don't be uh don't be Swiss cheese. You know, don't be uh. You know, don't don't let don't let them get don't let them get to the rim so easy. Don't let them get off uncontested shots, and and uh, don't let them move the ball around on you. You, you got to play good team defense, and you got to figure out something that works for you. Whatever scheme they're doing, they should probably scrap it, um, and and yeah. and 
move to something and, and look for something that you know you can experiment a little bit more in basketball. Football wise, it's tough, but in, in yeah. basketball, you can experiment with different different defenses, and so yeah, they right got to find I'm, something that works. Yeah, and right now I'm looking at the minutes, and I mean. Wheeler had zero rebounds. You know, P.J. Horn only had three rebounds. Uh, Kyer, zero rebounds. Um, Garcia, five rebounds. Fagan, one rebound. Kamara, four rebounds. Johnson, seven rebounds. Uh, Christian Brown, eight rebounds. You know, and we only had three people in double digits and points. You know, so – and these are kids who are playing substantial minutes. You know, Wheeler played 35, P.J., um, 26, Kyra 26, uh, Kamar 32, and KD 30. Um, so, I mean, these are our primetime guys who are, who are not producing. KD came in his first game, you know, added, added that spark. But what if he wasn't there? You take away his 21 points, what do you have? You know what I mean? So, um, right now it's just you got to go back to drawing board. You know, like I said, there's no reason to hit the panic button right now. Um, I think I still think Coach Crane is the guy. Um, but you know, it's, it's reason to draw concern. You got two big matchups coming up next with, uh, Ole Miss and Kentucky, um, Kentucky struggling as well. So, you know, that, that could be a good one. And that's at home at Stegman. Uh, we're on the road tomorrow against Ole Miss. So, um, if we could, you know, maybe bounce back with these two, you know, I think it, it'll kind of get that train rolling, um, in, in, in a, in a good direction for the basketball team. So I'm um, hoping they can figure it out. Cause I mean, we got some, we got some really good dudes and, uh, we got a couple coming in, so you know basketball's on the rise. But right now, um, since we've hit conference play, like I said, you know you can lose every game, you know, before conference play, before conference play, and show out in conference play. You know what I mean? And yeah. the, the conference play games are, are the most important anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you want to look good and look undefeated and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, you want to win your conference championship, and that how you win it is winning conference games, not outside the spectrum. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it just looks like this team is ragged a little bit. It looks like they're exhausted for some reason. And, you know, they, they got their butts handed to them on Saturday, turn around, get their butts handed to them again. They're reeling. Uh, they were 4-14 from the free throw line in the first half, 10 of 28 from the field. Uh, they got to get off to a better start. So, yeah. uh, and, and hopefully Ole Miss will, uh, traveling to Ole Miss, that, that might can get them back on the right track. And then you beat a team like Kentucky – uh, even though they're struggling, they're still Kentucky, so they're still that name brand. And if you can get a good win over Kentucky, uh, you're going to be you're going to be in good shape. So uh, be on the lookout uh, Saturday noon. That's tomorrow um, at Ole Miss. I uh, hope hope the dogs get back on track. So Israel, let's talk about uh, some some more guys coming back. Uh, Zamir White announced he's coming back. Uh, Jamari Sawyer said, "Hey, let's run it back." And Jordan Davis. Many people thought he was going to uh, bounce to the NFL. He he did play in the bowl game. Uh, he was still on the fence, but many people think, many people thought, uh, not think anymore, but many people thought that he was on the fence as far as uh, and leaning towards leaving for the NFL. Mm-hmm. He is not. He's coming back. Uh, so that make that makes I think only four early defectors, which is absolutely amazing. We talked about the other ones. Uh, you know, JT Daniels having a huge impact. James Cook having a huge impact. Um, then you have Justin Schaefer coming back on the offensive line. We talked about that in our last episode that we titled um, Unfinished Business. So go check that out if you want to hear about those guys. But some announcements that were still on the table uh, when we last left you uh, were the three I just mentioned. 
And I think Jordan Davis made his announcement shortly after our show. Uh, so we didn't get a chance to really talk about it. We we got it. We, we got to play the what if game, but we never really got to talk about it. So Jordan Davis, um, and then we'll talk about the two offensive guys. But uh, Jordan Davis, man, he's a huge fixture in the middle of that defense. I mean, he he kind of makes that defensive front go uh, for somebody that's able to get pressure from the nose. That's absolutely paramount uh, when when you are uh, trying to you know, devise pass rush schemes, pass pressures, things like that. If you can get pressure from your nose and collapse the pocket from, from the middle and force the quarterback to bounce it, you're in great shape because you get him off the spot, you get him on the run, and you get him to where he cannot step up in the pocket and, and deliver a good throw. And that's something that's important. And when Jordan Davis was out, we sorely missed that aspect of our defense. So to, to me, this might be the biggest – uh, you know, outside of JT Daniels, the, the the obvious one. This might be the biggest uh, returner coming back from uh, coming back for his senior year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I love him. Um, you know, I I played got to play with a uh, John Jenkins, um, who had who had some very good plays uh, for the Saints um, this weekend. Um, he reminds me of him a little bit. You know, bigger guy but can move. You know, you can you can put him at the three technique. You know, you can put him at the nose that he can get pushed. So. Uh, once he made that decision to come back, uh, which I had heard that that he was he was thinking about coming back, um, that that was huge uh, for our defensive line and um, you know stopping the run is what we do well and and having a big body that can do that and also get uh, pressure on the quarterback. I mean, I mean that is huge, especially with um, our secondary uh, being depleted uh, by the draft and we got new guys coming in. So uh, being able to get pressure on the quarterback is going to be very important to you know, build some confidence on that back end. So um, our front seven, you know, love you guys. You guys got, got your work uh, cut out for you uh, with a young secondary. But, you know, um, I, I have so much confidence in this defensive staff, and we got so many guys that, that are still there um, and coming in on that, on that back end. Um, but having that front seven that can get pressure and, you know, can do the things that they can do is, is very, very good. I love that John Jenkins comparison. I mean, that I forgot just how big of a stud that guy was. I mean, he was a defensive tackle, so he didn't garner a whole lot of attention other than the fact that he wore number six as his jersey number, but and, and he pretty much swallowed that thing. Um, so yeah, I you know he's going to make a you know literally huge impact on on that defensive line, and you know I, I think you know you said it best. He, he's a guy that can plug the run. He can get pressure from. Uh, from the nose, and you know it's going to be a huge addition. So, a couple of updates on the secondary. Uh, you know, with, with losing those guys to uh, early defection, uh, there's some options. You know, the guys that we signed, we talked about them. Nylon Green uh, being the headliner of that, uh, but there's still Terry and Arnold uh, left on the board. He decommitted from Florida earlier in the cycle. He's from uh, Tallahassee, uh, and also in the transfer portal, uh, Memphis four-year starter uh, cornerback T.J. Carter, who I know very well because uh, he is a Nashville uh, he's a Nashville native, and I worked some camps with him, uh, and, and he's a tremendous cornerback. Started all four years at Memphis, was an impact player. He has entered the portal as well. Um, he has a connection to Dan Lanning, so there's a chance that we could uh, – that he could end up on our roster and make an immediate impact on the defense. So uh, two names right there that jump out that jump out off the page that could come in and make an immediate impact in the secondary and maybe even improve us. I know uh, the transfer portal is a blessing and a curse. Um, if you're looking for 
I'm an experienced guy, you know, like a grad transfer, grad transfer or, you know, a guy who's, like you said, a kid from Memphis who's been starting um, for four years now. You know, that that's the great thing about the, the uh, transfer portal, especially um, you got a bunch of young guys. So uh, maybe we'll get one, you know, out, out of the transfer portal um, to come in, you know, and the young guys can learn after. Um, but if not, you know, we got – that's why we recruit. We got to get those guys ready to play and ready to rock and roll. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, the when I think when the transfer portal becomes a little bit more more normal and a little bit more we're, like, used to it, I think it'll just be a, another way of uh, – another form of recruiting, um, you know, with the, with, the, with the one free transfer. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it – you know, I think right now because it's new, there's a lot of people jumping in the – the, the portal, but I think it'll stabilize, um, you know, not to get off topic, but I think it'll stabilize and, um, and it'll be, everything will be fine. I, I think people are freaking out about, Oh, it's going to be the wild West and free agency of college football. I mean, transfer portals always been there. There's always, there's always transfer movement. We just don't, this is just the first time that it's been like really public. And yeah. there's actually a Twitter account, uh, that's dedicated to that. And, uh, and also on Instagram, there's there's a transfer rivals transfer portal uh, account. My my friend uh, from the host of Believe in Badgers and Believe in Vandy, and uh, and co-host with me on Illegal Motion, he runs that rivals uh, transfer portal account. And so mm-hmm. he we talk all the time uh, about d- different transfers. Like Wisconsin lost their uh, last year's starting quarterback, Jake uh, Jack Cohn, to to Notre Dame. He's going to transfer to Notre Dame. And so, um, you know, that, that was, that was a notable transfer there. So, and we'll get more into the transfer portal and our opinion on that here, um, as we progress further, further along in 2021. But uh, I want to flip over to the offensive side of the ball, um, with a lot of guys coming back. Um, the, the obvious true impact is going to be JT Daniels. So I want to take him off the, off the table here and we're going to figure out who the most intriguing or who the most impactful, uh, return returning player is going to be for uh, for this Georgia offense, and I'm going to present uh, two more names of guys that are coming back that we didn't know that were going to be here. That's left tackle Jamari Sawyer, and that would also be uh, running back Zamir White. So, uh, you know, of those two, and then we'll 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 lump them in with the with the rest of the crew. Uh, but just in those two, you know, to have Jamari Sawyer come back as your left tackle to kind of anchor that offensive line is going to be huge. Uh, it, it's going to be huge as far as communication, as far as training these younger guys and getting these younger guys on on board uh, because you're going to have a new center, and, and it's probably going to be Spencer Van Pran, and mm-hmm. you're going to have a couple new faces. You know, you're going to have a new right guard replacing Ben Cleveland. You know, you're going to have uh, some, you know, some new blood there, and and the the battle for right tackle is still still waging on. So I, I don't know if it's going to be Warren Erickson or if it's going to be any one of these other guys that we've signed and uh, you know freshman sophomore. So it, there, there's a lot of options across the offensive line, but to have Justin Schaefer and Jamari Sawyer as as your two rock solid pieces, that's going to be huge for this unit as far as being cohesive and just being able to get the job done. And then of course the impact that Zamir White brings to the running back room, you know, you have, you know, you have his explosiveness and I think he came back because he knows he's close to being explosive and he can take his game to the next level. I thought he was as good as gone because of his injury concerns, but then again, mm-hmm. you know, he he felt I guess he feels like he needs that extra year of, okay, I'm almost all the way back. So uh, of those two guys, you know, what are your thoughts on on, on those two coming back? 
Um, I think anytime you have an offensive lineman that decides that he wants to come back um, after, you know, an already going to be depleted offensive line, I think that's huge. Um, no disrespect by any means to Zeus because I think he is a phenomenal player, but I, I'm going to lean on my offensive line more um, in, in this regard because, I mean, if you look, if Zeus leaves, I mean, we still got a stable of backs that can get it done, you know. Um, but you have to have somebody to block for him, you know, and having a guy come back in, in Sawyer and, and, you know, help mold, you know, a young offensive line is huge. And, that, and that'll help, you know, Zabir's um, stock too. If you got a, a, some guys that has, have some experience up front that can mold, mold the, the young guys and how they want things done and um, teach them little things, you know, to kind of help everything out, you know, that, that does nothing but raise his stock. Um, so I think um, if, if I'm guessing, I'm pretty sure those two had a conversation with one another and was like, look, bro, if you come back, then I'll come back. And they was like, bet. And then both of them came back. Yep. 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 I mean, it's so, I mean, just, just to see, you know, I, I think there was rumors of culture problems uh, in Athens and the fact that all these guys are coming back and, you know, they're all together with the same message, unfinished business, run it back. Just tells you everything you need to know about what this program is like. And, you know, for all the people that are saying the sky is falling, shut up. Because yeah, I, it's I not. don't understand, like, what, where does that come from? Just because, you know, kids are going to the NFL and yeah, I mean, you know, you know you're always going to have transfer. I think it's the transfers and the and the and the four defensive backs defecting to the to the to the NFL. I mean, those guys, if if they weren't, here's the thing, okay. So if they weren't, that's I'm trying to say this in a nice way so I can stay on this podcast. You have to understand <laughs> something, okay? If somebody calls you and says, I'm going to give you X amount of dollars to do the same job that you've been doing for free for the last couple of years, what do you expect those kids to do? Do you expect them to just turn that down? Every kid, like I talked about last time, every kid's dream, if you've ever played a college sport, is to go play it professionally. If you're going to a Power 5 school, that means you have aspirations on going to play professional ball, no matter what sport it is. That you know what I mean? So if there was a culture, you know, discrepancy at Georgia, then those guys would have just transferred to another school. Yeah. They and the ones that did transfer, uh, and, and the ones that did transfer probably are just looking the for The ones that did transfer didn't play. Yeah, and they're looking for Think about all the guys, every single guy that's in the transfer portal from Georgia didn't play. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, or if they did play, it was at a small role. And like you said, if you're going to a if you're going to a power five school, or if you're going to play ball in school in general, your goal is to go and play professionally. Uh-huh. You know, so that's what they want to do. They want to go and play professionally. I don't think that there's a culture issue in Georgia. I think it's the fact that Georgia's recruiting so many guys, and you know, the guys start to realize, well, he's better than me, so I want to go and play somewhere that I can play. Yeah, I don't exactly. see anything wrong with that. I don't either, and that's just. With with the new transfer rules, that's just going to be college football, uh, in general. I mean, there's going to be an increase at ev- at every school uh, of exactly. transfers, and just because you transfer, you got to have somewhere to go. So if you're thinking about transferring, um, but your options are slim, you know, you might want to try to stick it out uh, where you are. Uh, if it, you know, just generally speaking. So, yeah, I mean, you're 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 spot on. If if uh, 
if if I had a second round grade, guess where I'd be? All right, guys, Georgia. Oh. It, it's been it's been real. It's been fun. Um, I'm heading to the NFL. That's what I'll, I would I'll say. see y'all. I see y'all when I see y'all. But here's the thing: that this I'll is see why G Day. Yeah, exactly. And this is why people who don't understand sports or don't understand they need to hush because it all goes back to the fact that Justin Fields just played for a national championship. Yeah. And it's always the, the argument of Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. Is Justin Fields more athletic than Jake Fromm? Yes. Everybody knows that. You can see that. But mm-hmm. Georgia's offense at the time did not fit Justin Fields' skill set. It didn't. Huh. We were we were a we were a power run downhill, get you some, throw the back shoulder fade every once in a while just to loosen people up. That was our offense. And Justin Fields is obviously, and he's clearly not that guy. You see him at Ohio State and the things he's doing, you know. Coach Day, Ryan Day molded that offense to fit his skill set. And that's what you do as a, as a coach and as an offensive coordinator. You build your offense around the skill set of your quarterback, what he can and can't do. You know and what and I mean? our quarterback was, was – he was coming off, he was a, national coming off a national championship. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're not going – You're not going to change it. And he was undefeated. You know what I mean? So you're not going to change that within a year. No. You know what I mean? So, you know, everybody just needs to get off that. And that that's where that controversy – and that's what people think or people assume when all these kids are going to transfer. Did you look at and see – who on the roster did transfer and how much playing time they got and this, that, and the third, you know what I mean? So, you know, if you do your homework, you know, and stay off social media, then you will probably understand what's going on. Yeah. No, social media is just used for the, for the lunatic fringe. So yeah, Justin Fields, I mean, to be honest, he had to take a year to mature. Also, I, I don't think he was mentally, emotionally, uh, maybe physically ready um, as a freshman. I mean, he, he had some bright spots when he came in uh, to ball games at Georgia. Uh, but, you know, I, I think he had to take that year to, to mature. I, I don't know that if he would have dropped him in Ohio State as a freshman, if he would have been as successful because there was a lot to learn about college football for, for Justin Fields, like how to practice, uh, you know, how, how, to, how to function as a college student. And he did that at Georgia in, in a backup role. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that helped, but you know who who's to say that? Okay, maybe he does outperform Jake Fromm in practice. Now what? You know, and and who's to say that the there, there's a reason that James Coley was let go. There's a reason why we didn't chase after Jim Chaney when Tennessee came and got him for one point six. There there there's reasons that all that stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and who's to say that? they would have developed Jake or not Jake. Well, they didn't really develop Jake Fromm. I felt like Jake Fromm regressed uh, all three years uh, that he was here uh, as starter. But who's to say that if Justin Fields stays, that he's any better than what Jake Fromm was. Who's to to say that now, if he had Todd Monken, good Lord. I mean, we're probably in that spot and we're probably winning the national championship at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I, I, I love the fact that they think, because he had success in a different scheme that he would have had the same success with our current staff at the time. And no, that's, it's just, the that's apples and oranges. It is, it's the scheme. Your players have to fit the scheme of what you want your football team to be. And at that time, like, like every, like I say all the time, 
Well, you got Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift back there. We really didn't have anybody that can stretch the field on offense at receiver like we do now, you know. So at that time, what are you going to do? You're going to mold that offense to be a ground and pound, you know, throw it whenever we need to. Throw it, throw it because it, it sounds fun, you know. And if you look at it, that's why I'm surprised that Jake Fromm left because that really hurt his draft stock because he did not have a good year, you know, the year that he decided to come out. He did not. No, and, and so, after that Tennessee game, it really went downhill. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it. You, you have to understand the whole body of work. And I'm telling you, if people would just stay off the message boards and just – just do your own homework and don't let other people influence you. Then college football in the world would be a much better place. Yeah, no doubt. And you'll be a much happier person for sure. So um, <laughs> let's, let's talk coaches. Um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian heading to Alabama or heading from Alabama to Texas. Uh, looks like he's raiding Nick Saban's staff. Uh, looks like the, the biggest impact that's going to have on Georgia is the fact that uh, he's going to take Alabama's defensive coordinator, who uh, is it? Paul Golding, I think is his name. His name escapes me all of a sudden, uh, but he, think, he's yeah, he's Peter looking Paul, at taking him. Like him. Yeah, Peter Paul, something like that. Uh, yeah, so he's looking to take him with him to Texas, mm-hmm. or if he says no, uh, Sarkeesian might reach out to Dan Lanning. So I, I I think that if I think there's a good chance that Dan Lanning's going to not be the defense coordinator at Georgia much longer because I think he's either going to go to Texas for more money or uh, he's going to maybe end up at Alabama uh, for also maybe more money and, and an extended role. So there's a good chance that Dan Lanning could be on his way out. And there's a good chance that he could stay. That not, nothing's been decided. Um, mm-hmm. So um, – what do you think with Dan Lanning? Uh, if if Dan Lanning does leave, let's let's play the hypothetical, and then mm-hmm. when he leaves, maybe we can, or if he leaves, if that comes true, then we can talk about real possibilities. Does Will Muschamp get a call immediately? I think he does. Um, I think yeah, that's that's one person that you know that that Kirby trusts um, to come in and and help. I think. I think it gives Kirby a chance to back away if, if uh, Muschamp comes. You know, it gives him a chance to be just a true head coach, you know, and kind of, you know, divvy out some responsibilities a, a little bit more with a guy they trust. Not saying that he doesn't trust Coach Landing by any means, but, you know, it's still Kirby Smart's defense. You know what I mean? It's still something that he learned from, from Coach Saban. So him and Saban are kind of the same. You know, but as you see, you know, now Nick Saban's kind of relinqu- relinquishing some of that, that duty. You know, he let – uh, Pete Golden called majority of the defense, you know, and you can tell that by the one game where he was looking Pete dead in the eyes like, son, if they score again, I'm going to punch you in the face, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah in, the, in the SC championship game. So did you see that too? He, he like yeah. knelt down on the knee and was like, dude, what is going on? What are you um, doing? So, um, yeah. so I think Kirby wants to get to that point, um, when, and I think he will. Um, if we lose Coach Landing, you know that'd be devastating. But at the same time, you know you got Coach Muschamp sitting in the in the wings and waiting. Um, coach Schumer, um, outside linebackers coach, is a really good candidate too to kind of step up. Um, but you kind of get the same thing with Coach Landing. You know, it's pretty much Kirby calling it, and you just kind of get the title. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, and my personal opinion, I think that Kirby needs to, you know kind of, you know, 
relinquished a little bit, you know, kind of just be in the head coaching role um, and just kind of oversee everything, you know. And I think that would be a lot less stress off of him, and I think everything will – you know, everything always works out in the end anyway. So, um, yeah, but for Coach Golden to be a 36-year-old national championship defensive coordinator for the University of Alabama, he could pretty much write his own ticket wherever he wants to do. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, I think it's just interesting uh, that Will Muschamp hasn't landed anywhere. Um, so there must be there must be some pretty heavy smoke on, on, on the fact that Dan Lanning is a serious uh, candidate for uh, for either one of these jobs. I mean, Saban uh, obviously uh, keeps a keen, keen eye on a lot of his assistants and what they're doing. And I guarantee he's asked Kirby about Dan Lanning, and I guarantee you that he would love to return the favor of of plucking away some assistance uh, that uh, you know that Kirby did when Kirby first took the job back in uh, mm-hmm. 2016. So, uh, but there's there's a lot of movement. Uh, Sark is, is is raiding the staff there at Alabama, bringing every, seems like he's bringing everybody over to Texas, which you know. I think it's a case of you work for Saban as an assistant for a couple of seasons, and then you then you get the hell out of there um, because <laughs> it's exhausting working for Saban, um, and and so I'm sure these guys are ready to leave after about two seasons, and that's why you get a lot of turnover, and and they get better too. So it's not like it's unbearable, and they you know they leave after two seasons, they're miserable, haggard, and 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 downtrodden. No, these guys leave, they get promotions, yes. they do well wherever they go, they learn a lot. Um, but you know your body can only take so much uh, yeah. punishment. So Alabama uh, is the school of Hogwarts. Like yes. you learn so much sorcery and yes, magic yes, yes. that you go and do things at other schools that nobody's ever seen before. Exactly. I mean, except Nick Saban's Dumbledore, and he doesn't die. <laughs> yes, he, that's he the only does. difference. I mean, that guy just gonna gets be stronger every year. Yeah, he, like, I swear, he, in, in the year twenty sixty. Nick Saban's still going to be coaching at the University of Alabama, and he's going to be like 150 years old. And he's going to get younger, actually. Uh, there's going to be technology yeah. that's going to make him younger, and he's going to get all his joints replaced, uh, especially in, especially below the waist. So he's going to have new ankles, new knees, new hips. Uh, he's going to be like a 20-year-old uh, with 150 years of wisdom. So Exactly. That, that would that's be scary. scary. That would be scary. Uh, that is scary. Now maybe in 2060, if I'm still around, maybe we can uh, assess that situation. Maybe I can finally get my chance. Uh, so let's talk some NFL movement, or actually, no, let's talk uh, Tennessee. Uh, Kevin Steele, who was uh, rumored with a lot of smoke to uh, to have tried to uh, launch a coup against uh, his boss Gus Malzahn. Now he ends up at Tennessee. Now. Tennessee has a hiring freeze, so Pruitt can't make any hires. But Phil Fulmer has made two hires. Mm-hmm. So something fishy's going on in Knoxville. Is it the end? Is the end near for Jeremy Pruitt? I, it, it sounds like it. Um, I saw Kevin Steele is a defensive assistant. Um, I don't know if he's a DC or if he's just there. Um, and that that hire came from you know Coach Fuller said. Um, I think it's pretty much the writing on the wall because Kevin still was, I mean, he was the, one of the top two candidates for the Auburn job, you know? So um, I think this is a way of look Pruitt. If you can't get it right, then I got somebody waiting. Um, and I think, you know, you hate it 
you know, but that that's the coaching world. You know, if you can't hire anybody, trust me, the AD can. And when the AD does it, that means that somebody's on their way out. Yeah. I, I think Pruitt's on his way out uh, because of this whole investigation madness. Man, I saw that, but I hadn't. I hadn't really looked into it um, to see what all was going on, but it sounds like it's it's pretty serious. It sounds like it's on the level of, of LSU type deal. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and and it might be a way for them to be able to navigate around his buyout. Ooh, dang, that's that's terrible. Oh, that's real bad then. Yeah, it's it's not it's not looking pretty. And and Fulmer he has a history of this. Uh, it's how he got the opportunity at, at Tennessee in the first place. Um, he kind of knifed Johnny Majors in the back. Uh, if you don't remember that whole situation, um, we're not going to dedicate a whole show to that situation, but uh, go look it up. Go look up what happened uh, with Phil Fulmer, Johnny Majors back in 1992. That'll give you a lot of context that you need. That'll all of that'll make a lot of this stuff make sense. So uh, check that out. But uh, NFL wise, NFL wise, unless you had something to add about. Uh, further about Tennessee. No, I'm 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 looking up Johnny Majors right now. <laughs> As you said it, I was like, oh. I could hear I could hear the clicks going. <laughs> um so Urban Meyer to the Jags. Okay, we got mm-hmm. a couple of uh couple of movements. Urban Meyer to the Jags and 49ers defensive coordinator Robert and I'm never going to be able to pronounce this right. I think it's Saleh Saleya Sa- I don't know. You guys know who I'm talking about. He's uh, yeah. he he's got hired by the Jets. Uh, the Falcons have reportedly offered Arthur Smith, the, the uh, offensive coordinator for the Titans. Uh, they've they've reportedly offered him, um, and they're also circling uh, Robert Fontenot uh, for their GM spot. Uh, he cool. is a he is the assistant GM with the Saints. So those yes. moves right there, uh, and then Bill O'Brien is uh, going from the NFL to looking like Alabama. So those moves right there, what you know? What are your thoughts on them? Let's go rapid fire. I think with the Falcons, I think uh, there was a lot of talk about Joe Brady um, as well. Um, but um, I think the, uh, the Saints uh, GM is really good buddies with um, Brady. So I think that's more of a fact that if he does get so he's going to be looking for Brady to come in and be the head coach eventually. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think the, the hire by Nick Saban with Bill O'Brien, um, one thing I figured out, even with every coordinator that comes in offensively or defensively, it's kind of the same same schemes, but they just kind of – each coordinator kind of adds a little bit something different, you know, yeah. to it. So, um, from what it looks like, um, you know, it looks like Bill O'Brien's a guy. Um, but it'll still look like the Alabama offense of the old. Uh-huh. And he got that uh, Bill Belichick recommendation. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's it's like Hogwarts, you know. Nick uh, Saban does a great job. I think he better direct his career. Um, he, um, I think the Jets made a great hire. Um, he, he's a very, very good coach, up-and-coming coach, and I think that's what they need. I think they need a change, uh-huh. you know, from – you know, the normal guys that they hire. So I think having a defensive-minded guy come in, he's obviously he he's learned a lot from uh, Coach Shanahan over at uh, San Francisco. So um, I think he's going to find a very good offensive-minded guy to come in and, you know. Uh, uh, and, 
think I lost the you there. J E T S Jets. So nice. um I think he'll come in and do a good job. But Len certainly last but certainly not least, you know, Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville is is questionable. You know, I didn't I never thought that he would be, you know, interested in, in the NFL. Um, but you never know. Um, you already, you already know he had, if he accepted that job, which this, I was telling my buddy, he's a huge Jacksonville fan. I said, if Urban Meyer is accepting an NFL job after he said he was going to take away, take a leave of absence for a while, if he's accepting a NFL job, that means he's got something up his sleeve and he's about to make a splash one way or another. Um, and right now with, um, it looking like, um, Trevor Lawrence being the number one pick, I mean, he gets him a quarterback in there. You, You never know what might happen to because Jaguars' defense isn't bad. You know, it's no, just the offensive side of the ball has been kind of struggling a little bit. So, um, you know, he's an offensive guy, and, you know, he's going to get some smart, some very smart football coaches in there, especially some guys who've been unhappy um, at other places. He's going to get them in there, kind of change the culture. Um, I'm, I'm currently reading his book, you know, about culture and culture change and all that stuff. So he's going to get in there and change that coaching. I mean, the Jaguars might be on the roll here soon. Yeah, they could be. And it's one of those risk-reward type deals. I mean, you know, obviously when you hire somebody that's been in the college ranks, you don't know how they're going to do with, you know, because the NFL is a totally different beast. And so I think it's mm-hmm. it's interesting. You're and, dealing with players that make more than you do. <laughs> yeah. And so dealing with, gonna, if, a, if a player comes in, I don't want to I don't, I don't feel like we're in bad today. He makes more than you do. He's the face of the franchise. What are you going to do? Exactly. Um, and, uh, and also – <laughs> You got to get used to them calling you Urban and not Coach Meyer. Like yeah. that happens yeah. in the NFL. Like I, they don't, they don't, because you're peers. You don't, they don't refer to you as Coach a lot of times. It's Mike or uh, Robert mm-hmm. or uh, you know Urban or you know Nick. You know, I think that's part of what what where Nick Saban struggled is, you know, they you know they called him Nick down in Miami and he didn't like that. And he'd been in college yeah, he, for a while. So like, he was no. used to coach Saban and he was used to doing all those college. Like these are 18 to 22 year old kids. I'm going to, you know, develop them emotionally and socially and mentally and physically in the NFL. They're already all of that. So you've got to develop yeah, them in other ways. Grow man that'll fight you. And yeah. when you get to the NFL, <laughs> exactly. And then also what I don't like about urban Meyer, um, is that I feel like when things get tough, he bails. Done it twice now. That is true, too. Um, is, did that, it at Florida. Did it at Ohio State. Um, when he was on the when he was on the come up, obviously, uh, you know, you go from Utah to Florida, that's a no brainer. But uh, so I don't consider that bailing. But at Florida, what he did at Florida, I consider that bailing. What he did at Ohio State, I consider that bailing. Um, and yeah. if he can help it or not the fact still remains the same that when things get tough, either his health led him down and forced him Mm -hmm. into it, or he just straight up said, this is getting too hard. I'm going to bail, which, you know, there's coaches that have, you know, he's not the only coach to ever have a health problem. Um, A lot of coaches get it fixed. They change their lifestyle and they press on. He said, no, because there's some other things in play that, that 08 Florida team was, I mean, you you were you were probably closer to him than uh, th- than I was, but you know, from the outside mm-hmm. looking in, that was like Thug Central, man. You had all kind of issues, man. All kind of like gun charges, and you know, 
now we know the story of Aaron Hernandez and how that all unfolded. And you know, then you, yeah. then you have then you have uh, then you have the second son of Jesus on your team um, to kind of round out the the collection of uh, I guess of of crazies. So it was yeah, like Arkham it, Asylum over there, man. <laughs> he had a lot going on, and and um, one one thing that he did, I, I I do agree with you. You know, when it when it gets hard, you know, you know he leaves. But one thing he did do, he did leave the program in better shape than when he got it. I do yeah. give him credit for that. You know, yeah, every I mean, time he, he does left, get credit. Every time he's left, he did leave it better than what he found it. So I do give him credit for that. But I mean, it's I mean it's tough. I mean, um, you know. It, with, with the health issue, I don't know what, what was going on in Florida, but you know, at Ohio State, he had that deal with the wide right receiver coach. You know, that whole yeah, controversy, that, yeah. you know, it's came out, and, and you know as well as I do, you know, if you're trying to be a head coach, um, and you got to deal with that, you got reporters and stuff, and you've tried, you've tried to help them, and then all of a sudden, another story comes out that you have no clue. You're kind of blindsided by, you know, and you're just like, man, now you're stressing. You're going home. And you can't sleep, you know, and you're trying to manage a football team, you know, all that stuff, you know, drive a man to have heart attack. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, I think he was like, right, he was knocking on that door to have one. So, um, you know, you never, you never, you never know what's going on, but that, that situation, I don't know what happened in Florida, but the situation that happened in Ohio State, I can see him stepping away and being like, I need a break because Jesus, this is rough. I think <laughs> a lot it of bad. it was centered, I think a lot of it, Florida was centered around Aaron Hernandez. Um, yeah, and and his like because those murder those murder charges were, were were creeping up. They were starting to come to light. All his uh, gang activity, like legitimate gang activity, um, and legitimate thuggery. And you know, obviously at Ohio State, uh, the stuff was Zach Smith. You hit the nail on the head with that. The good news is the NFL won't let you get to that point. Like no. that first story comes out about Zach Smith. He ain't coaching he in the NFL anymore. <laughs> he, he gone. He's gone, and they're hiring the next guy. Uh, the NFL doesn't have any patience, which I, I think – I guess it makes that point of him bailing null and void uh, because mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to get a chance because it's either going to go really well, um, but then you know in the NFL, as soon as it starts to go downhill, they don't let you get downhill. They, they freaking cut bait. You're gone. Oh, yeah. You're done. You're done. Um, and the, the whole situation with Doug Marone was kind of an odd situation because he had hit rock bottom. But I, I think they were still trying to tank. So they're, they're, they considered this a season a success because they knew they weren't going to go anywhere with Doug Marone. And, mm-hmm. you know, they felt like if they fired him, the team would rally and then they would lose out on their on their franchise quarterback. So they actually played it really well. Um, oh, they had man. Doug Marone uh, tank and had the team play hard. So – it, it was a weird situation. Like how Gardner nah, Minshew nah. got benched for Mike Glennon is baffling, but it all makes sense. I'll never, I'll never understand that. You know, I see like you know, like JJ Watt and um, I forget who I forget who the other lineman was. You know, um, tanking games for for a draft pick. You know, and I and I and I go back to like uh, Jamarcus Russell. You're going to yeah. tank your team to get Jamarcus Russell, who doesn't even watch film. Yeah, and eats his way out of the like, li- out of the league. Like that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me, you know. And if any any time I'm I'm too much of a competitor, just go out there and my GM comes to me and say, Hey, I need you to lose these last five games. I the the pride in me just ain't gonna do that. I'm gonna go out there and coach my tail off. I'm not gonna play I'm not gonna coach to lose. No. That doesn't make any sense. 
No. So if you're gonna fire me, just go ahead and do it. You know no. what I mean? Because I just, I just can't, I can't. The the pride and the man in me just won't let me do that for for a draft pick. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. But, for one uh, guy, not, not exactly. a bunch of guys. One guy for a rookie. Like, I'm not putting all that out there for a rookie, but you know, then you look at the Dolphins, who they tanked, but what they did was they traded for a whole bunch of draft picks, and they got like a, a nucleus of like young guys, like rookies mm-hmm. and second year guys and third year guys, uh, that they said, "Listen, we're going to be undermanned. That's okay. Just can't. and they played really hard uh, yeah. for Florida. They're building for the future. Yeah, they they're, were building for the future." And exactly. they played really hard. And Flores, like, he turned the culture around there. Uh, they still mm-hmm. went 5-11, and 11, and they still had, I think, the fourth overall selection. Um, mm-hmm. But but those, those players are starting to yeah. enjoy football. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's one thing about football. If you don't enjoy going – and we talk about this all the time. If you don't enjoy going to work, football will eat you alive. Yes, that's the one sport that will eat you alive because you there's be so much that person. goes into it. You know, you got to watch film, and of course, all other sports watch film too. But it doesn't—it's not the same as football. You got to learn yeah. techniques. You got to learn coverages. You got to learn blitzes. You got to learn uh, what they're doing on offense, route combinations, blah blah blah. If you have to do that every day, and you're miserable. Shh, you're gonna be about to have a heart attack, like Urban Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Oh, no doubt. So yeah, I, I think it's—I uh, think it's just kind of a neat thing to dive into. Um, you know given that we don't have a whole lot to talk about about basketball right now because uh, they're they, they just got to get their you know what together um, oh, yeah. so so the art of tanking is is something in, in the NFL that you either do it really well and set your franchise up really well like what the dolphins have they're on upward trajectory or you become miserable like the Jaguars and and uh, and the Jets but who knows like the the hire the Jets made was perfect um, and I think yes. their GM does a good job. I think he's gotten some some good young guys, Quinn and Williams, uh, Denzel Mims. Uh, who else? The uh, who's you that? Know, giant Lawrence tackle. Cager. Lawrence yeah. Cager made some Lawrence appearances Cager. for the Jets. He did. He did. And then they have, uh, you know, they had the leader of the wide receiver room, Jamison Crowder, who has mm-hmm. been more and more healthy this year. Uh, they got to find a running back. They got to figure out what they want to do for quarterback. Uh, we'll we'll have like a we'll. Israel, we'll do a draft special if you want, uh, and we can talk about oh, yeah. you know who who's going to go where, um, and and maybe you know that probably be our least uh, UGA centric show, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll 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 take a dive into that and 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 determine like should the Jets take Devontae Smith at number two, uh, and and work with Sam Darnold? I I don't know. Maybe a, maybe a, a veteran defensive coordinator might come in and say, look. We like where Darnold is. We're just going to put some weapons around him and, and see if we can't see if we can't develop him. Hire a really good offensive coordinator and let's let's roll. You know, get yeah. that Shanahan offense going. That might benefit mm-hmm. him. You know, and, that get, might ben- and get a young, get another quarterback later on to kind of be behind a, a decent quarterback behind yeah, get, Darnold. You know, get you like a developmental guy. Yeah, and so um, yeah, I think that would be a great option and. Um, you know, we can discuss that in a, in a, in a new episode, but, uh, some good news before we let you go, Israel, the women, the lady dogs, they beat Tennessee 67 to 66. Uh, they got their first win in Knoxville since 1996. And that is a huge win for the ladies. Congratulations to, to, to the, to them, man, they, they're I'm telling you now, women's basketball, even when I was there, you know, uh, Tasha Humphrey is, is a really good friend of mine. Uh, she's like a big sister to me. And, 
Um, I, I remember watching her play when I was up there, and I mean Maria Taylor and all those girls. I mean, this is a big, this is a huge time for for um, Georgia, Georgia women's basketball, and I mean they they're they're doing it up, and they got they got some ballers on that team too now. They they got some so they got some I'm not gonna say studs by any means but they've got some ballers up there that I'll put up against that men's basketball team right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dang, they, I mean, uh, you know, the, the the women's team has always been uh, I feel like has always been top billing um, in uh, in Stegman as far as uh, you know it's it's ironic that you know for such a football dominant school uh, the women's sports dominate Stegman Coliseum. Uh, with they uh, do women's gymnastics. basketball and gymnastics, man, they they do a really good job, and those, I mean, kudos to to the young ladies and and the coaching staff over there, because I mean that is a huge nineteen ninety six. Yeah, I mean that's that's man. insane. You know, having oh, one in Knoxville. I was in sixth grade. I was sixth grade. Yeah, I was in middle man. school. I was trying to figure out my hormones at that point. <laughs> So yeah, we need to get some of those uh, some of those former former women's players on. You know, we need to get oh, some most of those. definitely, most definitely. I think I, I I'm pretty pretty sure I can get uh, uh, Tasha on. Uh, she she's up, up in in Atlanta. Uh, she's I forget what what school she's at. She's coaching basketball up north. Okay. Um, doing a really good job. Uh, she took over a program that was in a rebuilding phase um, as well, and um, she's kind of put her stamp on that program and. And when I talk, she's always calling me all the time. You know, she'll be like, "What kind of punishments can I do for my kids?" You know, oh and, yeah, you know, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She she's get she's getting her feet wet and in the whole uh, discipline uh, stage yeah. of coaching, and um, you know, and, and it's always funny. But she's doing a phenomenal job um, yeah. up there. So, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely see if I can talk to her and get her on. That'd be that'd be a fun show too, um, especially yeah. considering the success of, of Georgia basketball um, over the years. Yes, yes, and and so kudos to the women. Uh, it, it'd be a goal of ours to also get Joni Taylor on. Uh, I'd love to get Tom Crean, Joni Taylor, uh, Coach Strickland with with baseball. Uh, would love to get Courtney Coupets on for 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 gymnastics. So, um, if you're listening and you have connections, please send them our way. So, uh, but Israel, this this is all we got, man. Um, we're we're gonna we're gonna let you go until next week. So. Um, you got any any uh, final thoughts before we before we rock and roll out of here? Uh, nothing. Um, not, nothing comes to mind. You know, everybody just be safe uh, with the COVID issue and everything going on. Um, I don't know what what the trend is right now, but it, it's been kind of been kind of hectic down here in Boston. Uh, we had a spike um, about a couple weeks ago, but I think it's kind of kind of getting under control a little bit down here. So you know, everybody just be safe um, during this time, and you know, enjoy yourself, but also understand that. Um, this virus is real, um, and it's not going away anytime soon. So everybody just just take care of yourself and be safe out there. Absolutely. I, I echo that point. So uh, that's going to do it for the uh, Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. Again, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Believe in Dogs. Uh, if you want to uh, if you want to hear us, find us anywhere that you, that you get your podcast. You can find Israel at uh, Troopstar28. You can find me, uh, my personal Twitter, at CoachBurton36. Uh, so hit us up, follow us, uh, give us a listen, and uh, you won't be uh, you won't be sorry. So hopefully we can get some uh, some good guests on uh, in 2021, and uh, we can continue to move this show uh, in the upward direction that it's going. So uh, for that, for Israel, I'm Corey Burton. Uh, we are the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast, and as always, have a great weekend and go dogs. Go dogs. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.